0: Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Joan Lindino and Jane Buckley, the therapy twins, about traumas we all face, how to take control over our life, and the role of forgiving in finding personal freedom. Joan Landino and Jane Buckley, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast.
1: Thank you. We're excited to be here. Thank you.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to have this conversation. And it's not every day that I get to interview twins. Uh, So what a pleasure and a great opportunity. And I really appreciate your areas of expertise, your background, and what you bring to the table today as we're going to be having a discussion around trauma, personal control, and forgiveness how that applies, of course, in our personal lives, but also specifically within the workplace, because I don't know about each of you, but uh, for me, I've definitely experienced my own, uh, you know, amount of trauma at work and, and uh, how I've interacted with colleagues, coworkers, uh, bosses and such. And, you know, there's a lot we have to sort through there to be able to make, you know, the most of the, the situation, the context that we find ourselves in. So we'll be exploring all of that together. As we get started, I wanted to share um, their bio with all the listeners. Joan Lindino and Jane Buckley are the therapy twins, identical twin sisters, licensed caregivers, and lifelong seekers who use their brand of humor and vulnerability to tell revealing stories about their childhood, family, marriages, divorces, dating, and motherhood. Their mission is to help people love more, fear less masters of science and nursing from Columbia University in the city of New York and registered nurses at Yale New Haven Hospital, uh, CT for 16 years. With a combined 75 years of experience, the therapy twins have learned a lot and they want to bring their wisdom to you. And that's what I love. I love uh, when people like yourselves are, are willing and able to share uh, really great insights uh, with all of us so that we can live more healthy lives. As we get started, uh, anything else you would like to share by way of your personal background or history uh, before we launch into the conversation?
1: One of the things we we like to share with people is that being being psychiatric nurses and then psychiatric nurse practitioners for years, um, we found that in our own relationship, it was so chaotic and almost embarrassing that we knew how to help other people but not ourselves, and we had to, um, at least for me, dumb down the, all the psycho babble and get real about relationships, that, what, what they're all about, their differences and similarities, so that we could get along. And we just want to share our wisdom.
0: Yeah, Ditto. that's great. Ditto, <laughs> excellent. <laughs> Spoken like a true twin. Um, <laughs> I, I imagine you you uh you you finish each other's sentences and, and can do all sorts of fun things together, yes. huh? Yes, we uh,
1: also interrupt the sentences to guide it back to whoever wants <laughs> it to be about them.
0: Perfect. I, I do that I come from a family of eight children, so I do that with my siblings. I can only imagine how it is with a twin. Um well that that's wonderful. And I and I again I appreciate um you sharing that. And it, it is important to recognize, I mean, the reality is what we do in our professional lives, you know, it, it should feed over into how we interact in our personal relationships, but sometimes we get, I don't know, sloppy, lazy, we take it for granted, whatever um, the case may be, and, and you know, some of those things that we should be doing uh, at home uh, doesn't always happen. My wife will be the first to say, you know, I talk about these issues all the time. Uh, you know, I, I counsel people, I coach people, I mentor uh, people at work all the time. Um, you know, we talk about effective communication and then, you know, we're at home and, you know, I'm, I'm not always great. Uh, I, I can do better. So I, I think that's, that's a good reminder for all of us that we need to always focus on, on these things. And a lot of times it's just focusing on the simple things.
1: Absolutely.
0: Well, very good, very good. Uh mm-hmm. as we start off, I thought mm-hmm. maybe you can uh first talk a little bit about the relationship between cultures that we find ourselves in. And and we all wear a lot of hats. We have a variety of roles and we're involved in different cultures, whether it be a workplace culture, uh community, you know, neighborhood culture, family cultures, whatever. Um Talk a little bit about the relationship between those cultures and the bonds that we form as families.
1: You know, one of the things that, that I think about when you mention something like that is um, the secrecy that just travels from a nuclear family all the way to the absolute top. And it just made me think about we were raised, um, if our older sister, Lori, were here, she would be completely disagreeing, saying that's not the family I grew up in, (laughs) as I share something. (laughs) Um, We grew up in a family that as long as everything appeared to look uh, well, connected to the community and kind of perfect, then everything was okay. And I felt uh, very... um, hmm, as if it was a rule in the family, like, you know, no hitting might be, don't share any of these things. And I found it very difficult. Cause I remember one time I shared something stupid that I won't go into and, oh my goodness, the, the uproar in the family, it was just, everything got so uneasy and, um, uncomfortable. And then I think about how the secrets um, spread into our societies, you know, different cultures, different secrets, and how interesting that is because the best way to solve that problem is just if people could be a little less judgmental, meaning more tolerant, more compassionate, more forgiving, we wouldn't have to have these kinds of secrets. And then I, I believe everybody would learn a lot faster through experience.
0: Wow. Yeah. And, and, and we have these secrets because of, uh, insecurities rooted in distrust, uh, fear, uh, of judgment of how we may or may not be stacking up to external expectations, uh, whatever the case may be. And what you're describing is not unique to your family by, you know, any stretch of the imagination. I mean, I I think that's a fairly common kind of a thing. And I, I agree. I mean, I, I, I can, it resonates with me. I, I, uh, can think back to, to how that was in my family as well. And you you just have to have some level of willingness to be open and transparent and vulnerable with each other within the home, but also to to, to reach out to others outside of the home, if and when you need help. Uh, and things aren't always rosy. And no, I don't know anybody who ha- lives a perfect life who doesn't have any problems, everyone has their stuff. And so you know, we, we can either try to deal with it on our own, or we can band together and, and try to work together to, to solve the challenges that we face.
1: Absolutely. And when, when I think about um, mental illness too, that has to be such a secret. It's, and people are so super embarrassed about coming out with their own mental illness. And like Joan says, if you broke your arm, you know, you might just shout it out to the world. But people are so afraid to have that label because the then, Facebook. right? And mm-hmm. then they're treated differently by society and, of course, within their own families. And even within our own profession, we were taught the whole time I was in school, I can't speak for Jane, never come out with your mental illness. If you had mental illness, you were never to share that during any clinical And I'm thinking if somebody had a heart attack or like Jane said, broke their arm, of course you would share that. There's no reason, again, the stigma within our own profession absolutely trickles down to society.
0: Well, and that's Um. so interesting. I've never heard that before about therapists. I come from a therapist family. Um, All of my my parents and all of my siblings are in some form of, you know, they're therapists, counselors, social workers. I'm the oddball out. Uh, I, but I joke. I, I kind of do the same thing that they do. I just do it within organizational settings as opposed to to, to family and individual settings. But, um, you know, it it, it absolutely is the case. I think um, that w- the the world we grew up in was less comfortable with messiness, and the world we're in now kind of demands more transparency authenticity and vulnerability uh, in part that's just due to free flowing information um you know it, tr- trying to keep those secrets or privacy you know it, it, uh-huh. it it's it's much harder today than it was when i was a kid or when you were a kid uh and whether that's good or bad it just the way it's the way it is and you know can we function in more healthy ways i think so it again, coming back to what you both said, it requires us to to be able to recognize when things are hard to be able to talk about them. If I have had an episode of depression, why should me sharing anything about that diminish how others view me and my Uh, capacities and capabilities professionally moving into the future? Why should that matter? It shouldn't. I don't think it matters as much anymore as it used to, but those Mm -hmm. stigmas still hold tight, I think, to a lot of people.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. So the DSM um, cooperated and and pretty much labeled almost every human behavior as a disorder at this point. So we're all, we're all in good company.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We, we all got our stuff. That's for sure. So Let's let's talk about trauma. Um, Why don't you define for me what you mean by trauma when you're working with clients? Uh, How do you approach that? You just mentioned, you know, how everything gets kind of labeled as a disorder nowadays. Uh, How does that relate to trauma? And then how how do we go about dealing with that? We can talk about it more generally in, you know, home life, personal life. And then we let's look at it from the vantage point of an organizational setting and leaders working with Mm -hmm. their people.
1: Well, usually uh, when somebody comes to our office, it's either sadness or depression, anxiety, uh, they can't sleep, or they have no attention span. And oftentimes at the very end of the hour, you end up uh, finding out that there was some sort of trauma. So you always want to rule out the trauma because again, again, for the first time right now, trauma causes all of those things. So why label it? as three things when you could actually say, wow, this is trauma, but it would take probably more than the first session. But once you realize it's trauma, you're not gonna just put a Band-Aid on the depression because sure, the medicine or the therapy might work for a little bit, but unless you go through briefly, I might add, that trauma and recognize it and move forward, then you're gonna stay in it. Oftentimes there are groups about trauma. And those people get worse overall because they're talking about the trauma so much they're back in it. And I forgot the second half of that question. Do
0: you remember? <laughs> um, well, you- I think that's great. So the, the second half was, you know not just how we deal with it and recognize it in our personal lives, but within the workplace. because what I see when I'm working with individuals um, in my consulting work, or if, you know in my leadership roles, uh in organizations i find myself in it's it's one, like the stigma is is declining in terms of you know acknowledging that you need mental health supports um you've dealt with trauma in your personal life but in the workplace there's still like this huge stigma um around like leave your personal stuff at home when you're at work be professional you know put on your mask you know, put on your facade be quote unquote professional Right. And so, in the idea that someone could come in and say, you know, they, they're they've ha- they had a panic attack and they they haven't been sleeping and, you know, they they have this this individual at the at work who's been bullying them or to be able to talk about those things openly can be really really difficult because it's perceived what you know whether it's real or not the, the perception is there that if they are open about those things. Uh, then it will negatively impact their job, their career, their opportunity to progress in the organization, especially if they're speaking out against someone who's above them in the hierarchy. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press. will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life
1: doing that more effectively. I uh, I have a lot of thoughts and and my biggest one is because this is like such a pet peeve of mine having suffered from Um, severe depression and in the past, if people could just, you know, we talked about transparency um, with the um, media world. Nowadays, there is, we're forced to be more transparent, but what seems to be lacking is the forgiveness part, the compassionate uh, part, the tolerant part, the the non-judgmental part, So it's getting to the point where all this transparency is really making people go back to those family lies um, because we're so afraid of the judgment and the intolerance and the unforgivingness and, you know, labels, you know, people suicide over labels. In fact, a a former colleague of ours um, suicided uh, after a bit of a scandal instead of, you know, being a forgiving world and where we know discipline is teaching, it's not doesn't have to always be punitive. Right. right? Mm -hmm. And those those are just some of the things like I can go on and on all day about this because I'm very it makes me very upset when I talk about it. Well, that reminds me when I was a brand new nurse. So I was a brand new nurse and I made five major mistakes where people actually got hurt. Nobody died but people got hurt. And when I had my evaluation, I got a raise and I just didn't understand. I thought I'd be fired. And what the director of nursing said was, Joan, you show growth. You did not make the same mistake twice. She said, so therefore, when we taught you, you learned. So, you know, Jane says, discipline is teaching. Today, I have seen nurses walked out by security for making a mistake. So the intolerance today is possibly brought on about pol- political correctness, which is almost inhuman, especially if you have a learning disability. I was born <laughs> with a brain tumor and it, the intolerance of certain things that sometimes. You know, I'm not capable of, but the judgment, which I'm not going to go into, but anyway, yeah, the intolerance at the workplace. So therefore I I uh, grew as a nurse and I got better. Whereas if I got fired, obviously that wouldn't have gone well. It's a shame because it's it goes all the way to the nuclear family, all the way up to um, the way any government might be run. And Joan and I like to look at nature. I, I think Joan likes to look at nature more than I do, but um, you know nature, if we look at it um, you know all the way into the solar system, it all runs perfectly and uh, we don't understand all of it, but we're all eager to observe and and do experiments and say, "Ah, this is how it's working." But you know, if we would just study some animals, um, the human being is an animal, and if we looked at animals. I think Joan, did you want to tell the thing about the deer? Within um, a group of deer, if you're the the head deer, you just you know you're all grazing and stuff, but you're thinking about well that's the head deer, so you're thinking everyone's gonna follow him. And within the that population, it's when fifty one percent of the deer look one specific way that's when that tribe of deer know that that's the watering hole we're going to go to and it's the safest so again it's about survival of the herd though and as we said humans are animals but we are definitely not into survival of the herd we're into survival of me that's why we don't act like those lovely animals out that last and last Mm -hmm. yeah we don't act like that we cheat at that circle Mm -hmm. we cheat and I'd like to share that, of course, we know the lion is the king of the jungle, right? So we might liken the lion to whoever has the money that runs the world. And or one of somebody. the things, one of the things I think about is the lion can probably go to any area of his nature or her nature, sit down and, and pretty much put up a flag and say, This is mine, and the other um, animals do have to move over. But I don't ever see or hear about the lion taking say 75% of the wealth of nature and leaving everybody else, you know that, that to small die and piece to die. And because uh-huh. the lion knows if it's not working properly, then I'm not going to have this life of luxury. It, it's so, again, the human anim- animal doesn't look at it that way. Again, follow. yeah, follow the money, follow the greed, even within the nuclear family. I don't blame people. it's an instinct. I want my family to survive, so you're going to hoard the food if it's the end of the world because your family needs to eat. I never had children, so I don't understand that concept, but I'm sure you both do.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I I think that's so important, and and we definitely are social animals, aren't we? Um, And I think this past year has illustrated that. There's been a lot of um, psychological trauma, uh, and social isolation has has driven up, you know, the, the uh, unhealthy behaviors, you know, uh, abuse, uh, domestic violence, those sorts of things have risen over the past year, uh, incidences of, uh, of depression, and anxiety, mm-hmm. and suicidality have increased over the past year. So we're social oh, yeah, animals, we need each other. And so we need within the workplace to create an environment where we can be there for each other.
1: Mm hmm. We really do. I want to say opiate deaths are also up um, in our nation. And um, yes, we, we, with isolation, though, we can become very removed from things and therefore become less empathetic, tolerant, compassionate, etc. Um, of others. And then it seems like now that everything uh, we're all getting vaccinated and we're, things are opening up, we, are, we might start for a little while with that herd or group mentality that can work because we are social creatures, but you know, where I'm going with this. I have no idea where you're going. Sometimes a group think of the group that's, that's going to um, be the audience for the lynching groups can be wonderful and the agent of change in a positive way, and then they can become very judgmental um, and too politically correct, and we can have too many lynchings.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> it, it has really, this has been a fascinating discussion. Uh, the time has flown by. I want to be respectful of your time, uh, mm-hmm. and, I, and I acknowledge that we're, we're uh, needing to close things up. But before we end, I did want to make sure that I gave you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about the work that the two of you do, and then give us the final word on the topic for today.
1: Well, you can get in touch with us just going by Therapy Twins, one word, therapytwins.com. Not the Rappy Twins. On Twitter, we had a lot uh-huh. of rap, rapper followers because they thought we were rappers, but we aren't. We're still psychiatric nurse practitioners. But instead of working individually, we have decided to combine our experience and our knowledge and work together because we believe two heads are really better than one. And remember, (laughs) discipline is teaching. Absolutely. Ditto.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you both. It has really been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out to get connected, find out more about the therapy twins and what they can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week.